probably did hate Mayo and we thought it was hate at the time because these guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod live Thursday June 2nd in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events and get your tickets now. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Yeah, you're welcome along. So we have ourselves a Heineken Champions Cup final, May the 28th, same day as the Champions League final, as it happens, both in France. So for the rugby, we're in the Stade Velodrome in Marseille, 4.45 kickoff Irish time. It is Leinster, La Rochelle, a repeat of last year's semi-final. Leinster, 40 to lose 17 in Dublin on Saturday. And then in Lons yesterday, Racine, 13, La Rochelle, 20. To discuss, we have Matt Williams. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jack. Good to talk to you, Matt. And Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Joe. How are you doing, Matt? Are you well? Good, Matt. I'm really well. Looking at uh, David Gorman in the Irish Times, Matt, he picked through the uh, French and European reaction to the Leinster performance for one. And Le Figaro, for instance, described it as a lesson in rugby. Toulouse swept away Johnny Sexton rust-proof, which is, uh, well, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the precise translation, but we get the gist. And then Le Keep, in comparison to Leinster, Toulouse attack seemed telegraphed. So this was vintage, really, as semi-final wins go. This was an awesome Leinster performance. Against a high... Remember, that the team that they swept away was the the reigning Heineken Cup and top 14 champions. The week before, they defeated the leading English premiership team, and although it was COVID hit, uh, Montpellier are looting the top 14 at the moment. And of course, they beat them by a cricket score. Now we know that was a COVID hit game. I mean, Leinster, Leinster are just beating the top teams everywhere. But it's not like the La Rochelle win on uh, yesterday. Leinster are absolutely demolishing teams. And they're doing it at, by playing a game of incredible tempo with lightning, as, as a New Zealanders call it LQB, lightning quick ball at the breakdown, rucks that are taking less than a second and a half, and they are taking the ball to the line before they are distributing their forwards, especially their skills are extraordinary at doing that. And they're just asking questions at such a pace that the defence cannot answer all those questions. And it is um, magnificent to watch. It It is a great victory for attacking rugby over rushing defence. So you see in the, in the history of the game, the game responds. So we had this negativity of this rushing defence that, that came out of the Lions trip to New Zealand. And, and it's taken the game a while, but now it's responding and it's responding with skills and pace and tempo. And uh, it's, it's just been, A, great to watch and a joy. But uh, if you're a Leinster supporter, it's, it's just been a pleasure. Jerry, look no further than the words of Ugo Mola, the Toulouse coach. And we are talking here about the defending European champions. So he said afterwards, Leinster's speed was quite remarkable. We have taken a real rugby lesson today. Yeah, lovely words to hear, as well as um, him also saying that he, uh, well, while allowing for t- fatigue, he says the top 14 doesn't really prepare them for high-end European matches because the ball in playtime is around 32 minutes in the top 14, where he said it's nearer 40 in the Champions Cup. I'm not sure about that, but it's certainly Leinster would be comfortable playing with 40 minutes ball in playtime. So I would imagine that, will, that, will, that was 
very much the key to their approach in the semi-final and I think presumably will be the same again in the final against La Rochelle. Plenty of ball and playtime. I was a bit puzzled by, given that tacit admission by Ugo Mola afterwards, I was a little bit puzzled by some of their tactical approach, particularly the aimless kicks down the middle by Romain Intimac and um, Antoine Dupont, two of which in the first half just really succeeded in keeping the ball in play and Leinster actually went upfield and scored two tries as a result of those kicks as well. And um. And bar the scrums after Tyke Fernand went off, it was hard to think of an area or department of the game where Leinster weren't comfortably superior, the better team. I mean, what was really encouraging was, because French packs have caused them trouble in the past, and Saracens as well, and that ogre Will Skelton, who won't be playing in the final, unfortunately for him, but helpfully for Leinster, I think. Um, they've had a tendency to be beaten up physically up front a little bit. Um if anybody got beaten up, it was Toulouse, that big pack and their six forward replacements. Like, Leinster won the majority of the collisions. This was helped by some wondrous footwork just before contact. It's something they really finessed under, on the training ground with um, Stuart Lancaster. You look how much Josh van der Flair, we spoke about that some often in the past, how much he's improved as a ball carrier because of the angles of his runs and his footwork. Caelan Doris's footwork. Dan Sheehan, when he came on, footwork before contact. So they're winning collisions, they're taking tackles their turn, they're getting over the gain line, and then, as Matt says, they're generating lightning quick ball. And then it's the variety of the attacking options that they have. I mean, it's every ball carrier seems to have three options, inside, outside, or at the back, every time. It's just so hard. You you feel, almost feel for defenders. When Rory Arnold bought that dummy from uh, Johnny Sexton, he was still travelling to the other end of the ground by the time Johnny put Josh Van Fair over the line. It was just a sensational pullback from Ross Maloney as well. Lovely dummy. And one of the many beauties of this system as well is that although Johnny Sexton is still integral to it, because he's not always the first receiver, he's not getting getting as much, he's not getting hit on the ball as much as he used to either. Now, he's still making his tackles, but he's also playing supremely well. I mean, it was a majestic performance by him. And then the beating heart of this side is Gibson Park. Like, we've spoken again about him, but like, it's, I suppose it's inevitable that he's going to be one or two mistakes by Jameson Gibson Park because he's playing at 100 miles an hour and he's got to make every decision in a split second. Mm. And actually, when you see a couple of errors like last Saturday, it reminds you how generally often he gets it right and he executes it well. Um, he just didn't when he shinned that ball through onto Antoine Dupont. So, like, yeah, there were masters in every department. They looked fresher as I thought they would be because their game minutes are much less and they're better managed. Um, Leo Collins done a tremendous job there in planning this campaign. 59 players used. And it's the excellence of the, the squad depth that allows them to rest up for two weeks while the third string team are over in South Africa, a second string team, and they can prepare for Leicester and then prepare for Toulouse. No doubt none of the frontliners last Saturday will start again this Saturday. Myself and Matt were talking about off-air. It'd be very interesting to see what Rog does with La Rochelle because they've got a big, big game at the weekend at home to start for and say, and they're just outside the top six. So, yeah, they're in a very good place, Lancer, and a better place than last year when you think that they didn't have Johnny Sexton in that semi-final, when they didn't have Andrew Porter in that semi-final. On the proviso, just last thing on this, on the proviso that Andrew Porter, that uh, Ty Furland is okay, and also that James Lowe is okay, because he's such such a valued member of this team now. Like, from 29 kicks out of hand, Leinster made over 1,000 metres. Like, that's phenomenal. And a lot of that was down to James Lowe's boot and a couple of times down to the Duracell bunny that is Gibson Park making his chases. But like, he's a, he's just a weapon that can't be replaced. And his tries may have been walk-ins, but that's 13 tries in his last eight games for Leinster. Oh. And Jerry, what's the quick word on Furlong's fitness and Lowe's fitness? They don't seem to be unduly concerned. I mean, you don't get a huge lot of information from most teams now about you know, in, in, in terms of players' well-being and so forth from Ireland and Leinster in particular, but um, they don't seem unduly concerned. All they did was confirm they won't play this weekend, but um, that's uh, yeah. that, they were never going to play this weekend anyway. So 
the indications are that the touch wood they should be fine Matt we were uh, chatting about Tyke Furlong's 20 metre skip pass yesterday and admiring Myron it and then Rob Carney pointed out you know that's his bad side by the way everyone you know he's a lefty so I mean like <laughs> we're just uh, scratching our heads a touch you might speak to us about the point Jerry made about Sexton he is not popping up in the same position in comparison with previous years at Leinster yeah you know, two years ago I thought Johnny was finished and I said it publicly and um, you know to Johnny's undying credit and look I wasn't the only one he, he wasn't playing well and he has found a way at a very ripe age for an international top quality rugby player to come back and play some of his best rugby in his middle 30s. I mean, it, 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 it is an extraordinary story. I've seen other players in that position uh, uh, survive and play and modify their game, but they modify their game backwards. Uh, if I think of the great Grant Fox and, you know, you go back in the time and, and see the, the, the tens that might have been lightning quick in their early days, and they, they play a different game if they survive into their early 30s. But what Johnny is doing as a ball-carrying 10, I, I, I really can't tell you another player that I could I could uh, compare him to. I think this is a really unique story that we're, we're seeing. The, the, the thing that, that Jerry is, is alluding to, what, made, what has always made Johnny Sexton a great player is his ability to take the ball to the line and then... Uh, uh, make his decision on the line. In doing so, and we say the line, the defensive line, in doing so, you inevitably cop a hit. You either get it as you've got the ball or just after you've got the ball. How many times have we seen Sexton cleaned up a split second after he's got the ball? Because in the past, the idea was stop Sexton, you stop Ireland, stop Sexton, you stop Leinster. And it was true. There was no doubt about that. That has changed. Now, if we think about the Josh Van try, is a great example. Maloney, the second rower, takes the ball at pace off Gibson Park running. He's got support forward, left and right, and he's got Sexton out the back. But he takes the ball so hard to the line, so close to the defence, before he gives to Sexton that he cops a hit. So he's already taken a defender out. The two runners are taking the defender out. Sexton has then got an overlap. And he's then looking at the defender, in this case it was Arnold, to make a decision. Are you coming at me or are you going at the other options? Arnold went for the other options, Sexton goes through. So Sexton is not having, and again, Johnny's still taking the ball to the line. He's just taking the ball to the line after someone else has taken the ball to the line. So there's less defenders around him. And he can then make a, a better decision or, or, or the correct decision, as he did this week, go himself, give inside or give out or whatever. And then you could see the brilliance of his decision making he had he had support inside and out josh van der Fleer was the the uh, support player that was furthest away but he was unmarked and in a split second he gave the pass and shane horgan said to me yesterday he said mate look at that it's a no look pass so <laughs> the skill level required to execute all of what i've just said to you in about a second and a half mm-hmm. is off the scale sure but is. It, it is great to see but but the other part is that is, it's a system that they have now that they've spent many years working on to get to this point that is pre- it's preserving Johnny's life as a player because he's not taking so much punishment. His bravery his bravery is not in question. Hmm. It's, it's just how much punishment his body could take and that's backed off and he is re, re, not reinvented, he's rejuvenated. And, and it, is, it is an extraordinary story. 
On the Ross Maloney pass through from him, we mentioned last week, I think, Jerry, what a great season Ross Maloney's having, and he underlined that again, I think, at the weekend. So Sexton said, when I got the ball, I certainly didn't back myself to go the distance, uh, which is fair enough, I think, at 36. He said, I thought about chipping it, but then <laughs> Stu, as in Lancaster, would have killed me if I did. I just saw the red scrum at, and I know the form he's in, and being in, if I could get it to the red scrum at, he'd score. And so it proved... It's just um, it's just really remarkable. You both described it so well, the array of angles and uh, running lines and, and the forwards. You know, Shane Horgan, we were chatting to him yesterday, Matt, he was making the point that these aren't just forwards who can throw these remarkable passes because invariably the Tyg Furlong one catches the eye. But he was saying, like Maloney, you know, in some ways he was more impressed with Maloney, uh, Jerry, in that these Leinster forwards are taking it right up to the line as well. And then boom, last minute, uh, playing like out halves in effect, the, the interplay there between forwards and backs is quite extraordinary. This must be um, well, about the most skillful set of forwards around, certainly in club rugby. They're, they're redefining the demands on forwards. Yeah, they sure are. And you think like Ross, is he about 26 now or 25? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been first choice until this season. So something's really clicked in his game. He's definitely, like Josh van der Fleer, improved his carry. I mean, he's not the most physically imposing lock in the world, but he's very athletic. He's an excellent line-out operator and he has a massive tackle count. And it's very interesting that, you know, the Irish manager might, you know, Ryan Baird, say, in, in higher esteem and have given him a few caps and you have to give one from Ross Maloney. But Leo Cullen and the think, ta- think Tank at Leinster clearly value um, Ross Maloney's input. I'm, you know, I'm told he's a big part of the leadership group, particularly when the front line is away in test duty. And he's just taking his game to another level this season. And I think he almost assumed the Tyke Ford on role, didn't he? As that kind of, first receiver after Tyg went off with the injury, the ankle injury in the 17th minute. And uh, I must say, I, I didn't realise his distribution skills were quite so good as this. But again, it's all down to the brilliant work they do in the training ground at UCD. I presume there's plenty of repetition, but yet somehow they keep it very interesting and, and energising for the players and they enjoy doing this work. Um, and you're right, I I don't attempt fake because it's still a big final to come, but this might be the best Leinster pack of all time. I mean, it just might be that good. I mean, when you think of it compared to last year, Andrew Porter's like a new signing. Dan Sheen is like a new signing, given Porter's switch to loose head. Dan Sheen coming on along with Roman Keller. This is right up there with any two hookers in European club rugby at the moment. Then you've got Tyke Furlan, ridiculous skills. And then you've got Ross Maloney coming through like he's done. James Ryan, it's great to see him back playing so well the last two games. Um, and then Caelan Doris, like I've said before, he probably would have been a lion last summer, but for those concussion issues. And of course, he was missing to the semi-final last year as well. And he's just a wondrous player. His pass to Hugo Keenan wasn't the most sympathetic pass he's ever thrown in his life. But uh, that steal off to Pont near the end that led to the try. I mean, like, then his carrying game and, just, and Jack Cohn as well. And then Josh. Yeah. It, and you think of the reinforcements off the bench as well. It's a it's a very it's an exceptional Leinster pack, but I suppose... The final will be the acid test of that because it'll come up against some big men. Well, it sure will. Matt, you're always very uh, quick, I think, to give Leo Cullen the credit he often doesn't get. So let's take that as red for a moment. But on Stuart Lancaster and what he's done during his time with Leinster, uh, I would put it to you, and I'm sure Leinster fans really hope it doesn't happen, but I would put it to you, with Eddie Jones coming to the end, if the RFU had any sense, they would get back down on bended knee and they would say, Stuart, all is forgiven come back <laughs> well there's there's two parts to that Joe um, I have the greatest respect for Stuart Lancaster uh, I th- 
the, what he, he the talk to the players and ex-players who have been coached by him. They, they are huge fans. They have nothing but respect and praise. I, I have actually never heard any of them say a negative word. There was never a but. So uh, he's obviously done a phenomenal job. It was a stroke of genius from Leo to employ him because when his name was put up, everyone said, what? How could you do that? So, again, you know, Leo, Leo's strength is his selection policy of coaches and players. Um, I would caution that thinking because Stuart has found himself in a role that he's obviously brilliant at, that he's hugely successful at. Being, if he steps into the role of head coach or national coach, it is a totally different gig and it will take him away from what he is brilliant at, which is coaching skills to players in attack and defence. Um, and, and he's just one of these guys that that is his huge uh, talent. And it's like, it's like quite often seeing a, a great school teacher, this wonderful educator that might be a, let's just pick mathematics, a brilliant mathem mathematical communicator and educator, and then you make him head of department or principal and he's crap at it because it's not, not what he's great at. So I, I don't know if Stuart wants to do that. I, I personally, just from my observations of Stuart, is that the role he is in suits him better than being a head coach. And there's a whole lot of reasons for that. And I think the role he's happier with. Is, oh, is that's definitely, Matt. Definitely the role he's happy. He, he, sta he stated that one of the um, great attractions of working in Leinster was how much more time he was going to spend yeah. on the pitch coaching. Yeah. He yeah. really got to resent that almost when he was working as a head coach of England because yeah. so much of his work was away from the training yeah. ground. Yeah. Um, and despite being a very intelligent man, an excellent communicator, he's a, a, you're right. What he enjoys the most and what he's best doing is hands-on coaching. Mm. It's perfect yeah. for him. Unless, yeah. that, that, uh, unless, exactly. unless Maddie went into the job and said, well, I'll do it, but I'm not, you know, I want a kind of elder statesman, avuncular, maybe coach Scotland in the past, coach Leinster, Sydney origins just to handle the media you know and and and, and to, uh, to talk with the english share press on a weekly basis i don't know there's one one problem with that mate i'd have to have a red rose on my chest and that day is just never going to happen <laughs> i figured <laughs> uh, but but maybe he'd do it in those terms i don't know um, yeah. it's going to be yeah. i mean fascinating jerry to see what lancaster's next move is hey look maybe he spends the next 15 years at leinster i don't know yeah, who knows? I certainly hope he stays. He's been brilliant. I actually was one of those that thought he was a very good appointment, as, as well as Andy Farrell. Um, it's amazing how much of that English coaching ticket that were run out of town, basically, after the 2015 World Cup, have gone on to be such influential figures in Irish rugby. Um, I think coaches, Matt well knows better than I do, coaches do not have a linear career that <laughs> just goes upwards and upwards and upwards. They have their setbacks. They have their hiccups. <laughs> it's rare that they go through a career without them, or perhaps even being fired at some juncture, um, like most team sports. And like they were, they could only be better coaches for that four-year World Cup cycle running the English ship. And I think that, uh, I thought he was an excellent appointment, but, but Matt's right. Like So I remember one column in particular in one UK-based journalist in a UK paper absolutely pillaring Leinster's performance, all based on the midfield selection at the World Cup um, by England. I thought they were, you know, as well, they were a little bit unlucky in the, in the World Cup of England. They go for that late penalty against Wales, they get a draw, they qualify for the knockout stages. They were in a brutally tough group. One of Wales, Australia and England had to go out in the pool stages and they played, in, they played Wales off the pitch pretty much for 60 minutes until Wales do what Wales do and scored a try from the end of the world. Um, so anyway, I think he might stay, hopefully. I think he's really enjoying himself. He's got a a nice gig going with Leinster. He's, even when he was English coach and through his coaching career, 
you've got a particular skill in developing young players and there's no better crop of young players coming through anywhere in certainly in Europe and possibly the world than right now at Leinster. So what's not to enjoy about that? And who knows in the future, maybe he will become Leinster head coach. Maybe he will succeed Leo at some point. You never get the impression that Leo is going to be there for a hugely long haul. Or I think he's been there about six years now, but you know the way he always signs one year deals. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Stuart Lancaster might even become Leinster head coach. Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised at all if Leo Cullen becomes national coach and Stuart Lancaster goes with him. Mm. That is also yeah. another. That that's is also another one. Yeah. That's another one. After Andy Farrell, and I'm not suggesting Andy Farrell should be removed in any way. I think Andy Farrell's doing a phenomenal job at the moment. But there is another progression to that mm. as well. Because I, th- I think something, um, you know, it, it's a slightly different topic. But if you look at the final, we've got two wonderful young Irish coaches involved. We have got assistant coaches last week. Uh, or Irish uh, uh, products of Ireland. And it's about time that the way Ireland develops its players, which is magnificent. So all the things we've said about Leinster, that's been done with local talent. There's 20 boys born and bred in the province on the field on Saturday. Mm. All the guys that went to South Africa and did those magnificent things, they're all local guys. I mean, overseas, they just can't believe this. Mm. I talk to to people in France and they just – can't believe that, that that's happened. I mean, it's a phenomenal story. Yeah. But we don't do it with coaches. Yeah. Now, part of part of bringing in, you know, how I ended up there, bringing in external technology has been good for Ireland because that brings in new ideas. And I, I don't think we should just do it do that. But uh, I do think it's it's time that we recognise some of our own in the future and bring them back to to be part of it. Just a last one before we hit Racine La Rochelle and then preview the final to some degree or other. Leinster this year versus last year, Matt. So Jerry's mentioned the pack and how that's improved massively. Just in in this attacking style that you've both outlined, is this a, a, a step forward from what Leinster were doing last year against, say, La Rochelle in the semi-final, this attack? Yes, without doubt. I, I think there's a few aspects to this, Joe. One is the adoption of the Leinster uh, philosophy by the national team. So if you look at the bulk of that Leinster side, they have been playing a very, very similar game plan uh, since November last year with the national side and prior to that. So they, 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 there's no change. And Leinster are providing the bulk of the national side. So they're just playing the same way against great opposition week in, week out. Hmm. That's that's had a huge, huge impact on, on Leinster's performance and on the national performance. And I've been, Jerry knows, I've been screaming for this since I walked in the door in 99 for a national philosophy. And, and that's where Andy Farrell deserves so much credit for what for, for adopting this. The second part of that comes back to Stuart and Leo. This, this has been drilled into these guys for years. And it, the trouble with long-term athletic development, <laughs> it takes a long time. And we're seeing the benefits of this long-term athletic development. And the last bit, Joe, um, uh, as Jerry said, you know, we had these injuries. There was away semifinals. The stars have aligned for Leinster for this year, and it doesn't happen all the time. They're fit, touch wood. They're, they're playing a style that they're very happy with. It's taken them three or four years of development to get here. They played it with the national team, and that gives them great confidence. They beat England away. They were, they performed against France away, and they beat the others. They've beaten the current holders of the Cup They've got a lot of belief. And I don't know that they had that against Saracens uh, um, uh, two years ago. And I think against La Rochelle, they had injuries. It was their second big away game. Things just didn't go well in that second half. 
Mm. Now, there's a few other reasons for that. But the, the, there is a whole lot of factors come into this, um, the, the aligning of the stars and the skills that is producing this wonderful, wonderful rugby from 20 boys uh, or men born and bred in the province. Uh, it's, it, and along with Sexton, that is equally a wonderful story. Yeah. Actually, you'd have a great sense of global rugby even talking to you down the decades. Uh, what, any other comparable examples of a team being as successful, club team as Leinster, with basically, basically all of the players of the vast majority from the immediate hinterland? Do you, do you want me to show you the scars? I, I got them on my back here from coaching against Auckland, okay. the great Auckland side. Sean Fitzpatrick, Zinzan Brook, Michael Jones, Ola Brown, Junior Tuunu, uh, 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 Lee Stensness and uh, Aroni Clark, uh, the great Carlos Spencer at 10, Jonah Lomu on one wing, Cashmore at fullback, and uh, Joely Vendiri on the other. <laughs> Okay, yeah, they're the greatest. That'll that's do. The greatest. That'll do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's got. I've got that burned into me somewhere. They're the greatest. Um, they're the greatest side I've ever seen on coast again, provincial level, and Leinster uh, are banging there or thereabouts. Leinster, what Leinster have to do now is win a few more trophies. They, yeah. That team won Super Rugby four or five years in a row. They were just phenomenal. So Jerry, Crusaders, those wouldn't they? Crusaders be a little bit close. You know, they yeah. they've yeah. got a great reputation for developing their own talent within their own system. But there again. The New Zealand system is slightly different. They often identify players yes. from all around the two islands as opposed yes. to just within their own province. That, that's exactly right, Jerry. That's that's what I meant. That yeah. that particular generation, just when we came into professionals, they were Aucklanders. No, Lancers are pretty unique. Yeah. yeah. No, it's extraordinary. Jerry, I can imagine Ron Nagar listening to this. This is like a quasi-coronation and he's licking his lips. Uh, he does have a knack of just having an interesting career good, bad, indifferent. And so here we have Leinster looking for that record equaling fifth star. And who's there with a French team led by a Munster man? So, I mean, it's all kind of set up again after last year's semi-final. Racing 13, La Rochelle 20. If this was vintage Leinster on Saturday, Sunday, yesterday was more of a traditional semi-final in that it was stop-start, bad quality, very average spectacle. Yeah, like a lot of all French clashes in the Heineken Champions Cup over the years, um, they're real taut arm wrestles, aren't they? They're real physical, you know, battering into each other. And it's just, it's not the most fluid of rugby to watch a lot of the time. And um, we you, you don't tend to get very fluid all French affairs, um, particularly in the knockout stages. So it, it, the, I presume the heat has something to do with it. I believe it was close to 30 degrees at times in Lons. And it, it was that searing heat. And there, there's an argument for why you can't really play through French summers, isn't it? Because it would just be inhuman. Um, that obviously was a factor in a very slow-paced game. I thought, I still, I was holding off air with Matt, and I don't know if he agrees with me or not, but I thought that I kind of, I, because I had a little bit of a bet on a Leinster-La Rochelle double um, on the handicap, I was quite happy for La Rochelle to win. But um, I think that Racing would have been an easier um, match up for Leinster maybe in the final I just think La Rochelle had much more power up front I thought they laid the foundations what should have been a convincing win and in Ohio West they just have a goal kicker who's either hot or cold you know what I mean he just he can have his good days like he did in the semi-final last year and he can have his bad days like he had in the final last year and like he had in the in on, on Saturday in Lons and they didn't press home their advantage it was criminal when they had Rassing down to 13 men that they made such little use of it they don't keep all alive, I get it, but like against 13 men, you don't force this one necessarily, you just drag them through phases and eventually the gaps will appear. And and then having not put them away, they won't be lucky to win La Rochelle in the end, really, when you think that Legarek missed a couple of goal kicks and I don't know what um, 
Teddy Tom, I was thinking of not giving the pass to Juan Imhoff. We were yeah. talking about that as well, myself, off air. Like, so they were almost a little bit lucky to win it in the end, but I do think they'll be a tougher nut to crack than um, Racing in the final. Just, just, just have that been, not least because of your man, O'Gara. Yeah. Well, I kind of came away from it, Matt, thinking, well, La Rochelle just can't be that bad again. You know, so mm. there's almost a degree of, I can even imagine them looking back in that 80 minutes and Jerry mentioned various aspects and Legarek's two kicks ironically came when Racing were down to 13 men. You can almost imagine the entire La Rochelle group saying, well, that was such a bizarre game. Let's just forget it, put it behind us and prepare for the final. And, you know, you'd be very foolish to read too much into the quality of that performance, although although it does mean Leinster now go in as raging hot favourites. I think both camps have to say, we won, it's over, let's plan for a final. That's the only way you can you can approach that. And it, for Leo, it's a very different role to, to Ronan. Ronan's just got us. And Ronan's interview before the game was absolutely pragmatic and correct. Once you get to the knockout stages, it's one week at a time, and you, you've got to win each game. If you don't, you're out. So they won. So they're in the final. Toulouse aren't, uh, Racing aren't, Montpellier aren't. They're in it. And they've got 14 days to get ready. And they'll, they were very nervous. Um, as, as in La Rochelle were very nervous. Both teams, I, I thought, it was a, they, they were fearful of failure. And that that was a, a, a real burden around their neck. Now, perhaps Ronan puts it to them and says, look at great Leinster are, we've got nothing to lose. And if they come into that game without fear, uh, th- they will be very difficult because they're brilliant at the breakdown. They've got a pack, they'll scrummage, they'll just scrummage and kick, scrummage and kick. And then more, that's what they want. Um, because Leinster have got them in general play. But if they can slow Leinster down with their brilliant breakdown work, and they are quite brilliant at the breakdown, mm. there's no two ways about that. That's That's been their hallmark all season. They can get it wrong at times and give away penalties. They didn't yesterday. They did against Toulouse in the top four a couple of weeks ago. But if they can do those things, they will trouble Leinster. There's no doubt that Leinster are the favourites, and so they should be. But you, you cannot throw La Rochelle away. They've got too much talent. The, the, the big problem for La Rochelle is exactly what Jerry says. Does their goal kicker West turn up with it in the, he's got the yips in the back of his head thinking, I, I did it last week and I, I did it in the final last year. I'm going to miss goals because that's the problem. You've got to go out and take your points. Sexton will. And if, if Leinster get a two-on-one like Teddy Thomas had, They'll, they'll take it. Mm. They'll score that try. So, you know, I, I think if you look back again, if you don't want to be boring with history, but you look back at World Cups, the best, some of the best performances were in this, of the winning team were in the semifinals, but the finals were very close affairs. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think we've got to take that as well. Take um, in the Heineken Cup as well. The most recent one, you know, England on the back of the New Zealand mm-hmm. performance look home and hosed, and then we know yeah. what happened. Uh, Will Skelton, hearing conflicting reports... So, Jerry, you, you, you mentioned he's, he's most likely out. Matt, you have a sense he might be back. Uh, look, I, I, Jerry might be far more um, clued in on this than me. Uh, I knew Skelton had a calf injury, uh, and I had heard um, from the Larishaw camp they were confident he would make the game, uh, make the final. Whether that's true or is a is a porky pie, I, I don't know. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm a, I think Jerry might have better uh, info than I do on that. Well, you can never be sure about these things, can you? Ogar apparently said at a press conference last week that he didn't think Will Skelton would play again this season. I spoke to a La Rochelle, a journalist from La Rochelle. He's based in Toulouse, but he's from La Rochelle uh, at the game last Saturday. And he, 
he didn't think he would be right for this game, the final, but he wasn't so sure his season would be over. Mm. So, and again, he said it was a calf injury. So the odds would appear to be against us, but who knows? Who knows? Calf, in- calf injuries are notoriously difficult. Mm. Notoriously difficult to get right. Mm. Thinking of the final in Bilbao, Jerry, Leinster against Racine and two weeks out we would have anticipated a certain type of game and then it lashes from the heavens yeah. and all of these factors play into a final lashes from the heavens Will Skelton pitches up uh, La Rochelle start doing a decent number on Leinster's breakdown that rook speed slows down lots of scrums a real arm wrestle ball out of play a lot stop start and then I mean the other point to give La Rochelle their credit as you, as you mentioned Jerry, some of those some of those kind of Hail Mary passes they stick on a certain day and you know these are all the ingredients which will still make this very compelling final yeah, and then you could have an early red card, you know, hopefully touch wood, there won't be, it could be a yellow card, you wouldn't know what kind of mood the referee is in, look at how Matthew Raynell interpreted the scrums at Twickenham, there are so many um, unforeseen, you can you can preview game to its zenith and just go through what you think, and think you've covered every base, yeah. and then something happens in the first five or ten minutes, oh, never thought of that one, and you know, that's that's the nature of the beast, That's and particularly in a final, a one-off game, I mean, Matt makes an excellent point about Excellent semi-final performances of the World Cup don't always transfer to finals at all. And in fact, a feature of the World Cup was how often a big performance was brought. There was a, a bit of a climb down a week later. Ireland against Scotland, very good. Look what happened against Japan and so on throughout the tournament with a lot of other teams. Um, what helps Lenzer here is they've got the two-week break. Yes. And that's a that's a big help. It's not it's not a week apart, so they can they'll prepare for this La Rochelle team. Um they'll be sore from last year. What happens? They've got the revenge motive, which is always huge in rugby. Then again, I think La Rochelle, they would be a little bit hungrier than Toulouse were because they got to the fin- both finals last year and lost them. They're a little bit fresher because they don't have nine key components of France's Grand Slam who've been to the well a lot this season. And they hadn't been taken to 100 minutes a week before either and a penalty shootout. Mm-hmm. So I think I think La Rochelle will be that bit fresher, that bit hungrier. They'll want to atone for last year's final. They have Agara at the helm and Donica Ryan in the backroom team. So... And you look at players like Gregory Aldred and Victor Vito, and you just can't count them out. Victor Vito is 37, playing like a 27-year-old. I think it's his retirement season as well, so it's going to be a huge motivational factor for them. He's still playing unbelievable rugby. And Gregory Aldred is just astonishing. Like, he just pitches up carry after carry after carry after carry. Yeah. He made uh, 18 carries for 104 metres mm. on that, and that semi-final on Saturday. And, you know, he's going to he's gonna have a game like that probably in the final as well, because that's the kind of beast and animal he is you know he's just an unbelievable ball player and they've got some real powerful x-factor players jonathan dante raymond rule they can bring off levani body off the bench so you can't discount them at all it's a one-off absolutely not yeah no it's it's amazing and like the ogara factor is just uh, you know you couldn't make it up and he has that um penchant in his life i think to do interesting things matt with your with your coaching hat on how well does O'Gara set up the team? Like when you look at La Rochelle, does that strike you as God? This is a very impressively coached side, or, or or what can we glean from what you know? What what can you glean rather from how La Rochelle take the pitch this season, last season? Say what what have we got here on our hands in O'Gara? Oh, Rogers has gone about his education as a coach really thoroughly. Like he started at Racing as a skills coach, moved through, went down to to. Um, the Crusaders in Christchurch did two years there, you know, under under a, a wonderful human being in Scotty Robinson and, and Robinson and a, a, a brilliant coach, the next a New Zealand coach without doubt. He sh- probably should have been New Zealand coach now, but he'll stay there, uh, he'll stay in the background a bit. And, and, but but Scott's not just that, not just a great coach. He's a fantastic human being. 
So Ronan has learned under him, seen about culture, how they set up culture, how they, and the New Zealanders are the best of the world at, at team spirit and, and pulling the whole big picture together, which is what I was talking about as a head coach. It's what, what Robbo does brilliantly, puts a whole big picture in together. Um, Michael Alatara, the tight head prop for, uh, um, who came on off the bench for Leinster, he was there. He's, he's a, from my old club in Sydney. I, I coached with his dad and played with his dad at our club. Michael was our ball boy. Michael went over to the Crusaders now at Leinster. He's seen all that. What Ronan, what you see in attack is really the New Zealand influence on Ronan, on how he structures his attack. Quite often you'll see Gregory Aldrich or Victor Vito, the last man on the far side of the field in attack. That is, that is a classic Crusaders system of how, without getting too technical, they spread their forwards across the field in smaller groups with a what with a, the back rower left on the far side. And we, we see Vito and Aldrich scoring tries out on those those flanks all the time. The other part you you see is the New Zealanders' genius, and I'll use that term, they're genius at the breakdown. Now, people are catching them. I've got to say, I've got to give the Brumbies and the Waratahs and the Reds a lot of credit back in Australia. They're, they're learning quick and they are catching, but the New Zealanders are still a long way ahead in technically how you get that, what we call the race for space. So after the tackle, after the ball carrier's hit, who's the next person there? Because that determines or will usually determine the outcome of that run. And the, the La Rochelle are so fantastic at it that they are winning so many turnovers or penalties at that breakdown. Again, that's got Ronan's time in New Zealand just painted all across it. And the last bit I'd, I'd put into that without being, you know, not a motherhood statement, you, you can just see that the La Rochelle players are playing for their coach and they're playing for the Heineken Cup, which a lot of French clubs don't. Ronan's come in and his leadership has said, as I said on TV with you yesterday, Joe, Ronan's leadership's come in and said, this is important. We can win this. I believe we can win it. It would be great for us as a club, great for you as players, and we're going to have a ball. This is a valuable competition. And that's a hard sell to some clubs in France because they usually just focus on the top four of it. You know, you look at Montpellier. They gave it a bit of a look, but they didn't really care. Lyon, a lot of these other clubs, they don't really care. But you can see La Rochelle didn't pre-Ogara, La Rochelle do. And making two finals is a staggering achievement in your first two years as a head coach. You know, that, that's, that's really, really huge. Now, it's going to be up against it. There's no, no doubt La Rochelle are up against that. But just, and that's where we've got to stop this thing, oh, you lose a final, you're a failure. You're not a failure. Reaching the final is a great achievement. Obviously, you want to win it and you want to lift the trophy. That that's, goes without saying. But, you know, Ronan, Ronan has still achieved a lot today, even if they lose in two, two weeks' time. He has still achieved a huge amount in his first two years. Okay, well, final to look forward to for sure. Matt Williams, thanks so much. Pleasure, mate. Jerry, plenty to be uh, writing about the next two weeks in the Irish Times. Thank you. Cheers, Joe. Thank you very much. Look, Matt. There we are, Jerry Thornley and Matt Williams with us on Monday Night Rugby. Our rugby coverage and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. So take a break. Monday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.